uh, around here, uh, if, if you've been here any length of time, there's, you've probably seen probably four or five different illustrations uh, you know, similar to this one today because uh, everything in the Word of God is about faithfulness. It's about, it's about faith. The only way we can please God is with faith. The only thing God has ever honored in any human being is faith. Faith is what it is all about. And so um, faith is simple, man. Everybody says, say, faith is simple. You think it's simple, Jared? It is. It's simple, right? But how many would you say faith is easy? <laughs> it, sometimes it's not easy, but it is. It's simple. And here's the concept. Um, I've, got, uh, I've got Debbie's uh, uh, paddle right here. Debbie, this is your paddle, so hopefully I don't. If I, if I mess it up, i got another brand new one in the car. So. But when we go out paddle boarding, um, I always teach people, give them a little paddle lesson and have them, you know, Paddle, show them, you know, how you push with your top hand or, or the power stroke is a, is a squat crunch. So you're using big muscles, all these things. But the main thing, the most important thing is that you got to paddle on both sides of your, your board. If you don't paddle on both sides of your board, what direction are you going to go? You're going to go in circles. So if you're paddling on the left side, I don't care if you've got the perfect squat crunch, man. I don't care if you've just got the perfect chill stroke down. It doesn't matter. If you paddle on the left side of your board, you're going to gently go to the right. And you will gently go to the right. And gently go to the right. And you will get nowhere in your life. So what if you learn how to paddle on the other side? You paddle on the right side. You gently go to the left. And again, I don't care how good your stroke is. You're going to just keep going in circles. And how much fun is that to just go in circles? Now, some of you that have been out with me, I've watched you go in circles. And, and it's fun for a little bit until all of a sudden, like, hey, wait for me. So the key is learning how to paddle on both sides. So if I paddle on the left side, it takes me gently to the right. And then I've got to release my top hand. I've got to switch and paddle on the right side. And it gently takes me to the left. Now, you just keep going back and forth. And for those of you who've been out, Anna and uh, Rich, uh, Debbie, you guys have been out recently, but uh, when, you're, when do you have to switch more often, going with the wind and current or against it? Against, against it, yeah. When you're going against it. So if you're here and you're just going with the current, everything's going your way, dude, it's no problem, man. You're just kind of like, you know, whatever you feel like doing. And that's the way it is in life sometimes. When everything's going our way, isn't that when we get kind of lackadaisical in our faith? You know, we're just kind of paddling. We're like, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter how often I switch, whatever. But when things get going against us, we got a headwind. That's when we've got to work. That's when God gets our attention so often. And sometimes that's why he does that. Because he can't trust us to lay on the couch and eat spiritual bonbons, man. Because we just get lazy. And so, so what happens against the current, man you got to dig in on the left. You've got to switch, and you got to switch quick. You, if you do this, you paddle on the left, and you're in the process of switching, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're just doing all kinds of whatever, and then you go again, and you take... What happens each time between your stroke? What happens between strokes if you don't do it quickly? You lose ground, and you go backwards. You not only lose ground, the first thing you lose is even more important than ground. What's the first thing you lose? Momentum, exactly. Anybody ever lost momentum in their spiritual life? Yeah, dude. And momentum's hard to get back. And you got to get momentum back before you can even get any ground back. So it, when we're going against the current, man, you got to paddle. You got to learn how to switch quick. You got to learn how to go and how to paddle deep. Because what happens if you just paddle shallow? You just spread Flintstone with your paddle. What happens if you, if you got wind going on, huh? And you just paddle kind of real light? 
the wind, you don't make any progress. It's all about paddling deep. So you got to paddle deep. You got to paddle on both sides. You got to switch sides quick, going against the current, going against the wind, or you're not going to make any progress at all. Now, some of you are going, dude, I ain't never going to paddle boarding with him. Well, half the time we're going with the wind. But there are those times where we've got to cross a channel. We've got to cross a, a, a flat, and we've got to go against that wind. And it's crucial that you make it over to the other side. Because let me ask you a question. How long does, do troubles last? Do they last forever? No. And so this is just like life. There's sometimes where we're just kind of cruising through life. And then there are some times where you it is crunch time. It is squat crunch time, man. Everybody say squat crunch. Yeah, dude, because you know about crunch time, right? So now when you got really heavy-duty crunch time, just look at your neighbor or look at your person at work and say, I'm in squat crunch time, you know? And so it's squat crunch. You're putting everything you've got into getting to the calm water on the other side. So here's how it works, spiritually speaking. If I'm paddling on my left side and that's asking God, what do you want me to do? Anybody ever ask God what you want him to do? I hope, let me see your hand if you've ever asked God what, yeah, I hope you asked him this morning, okay? And because that's a valuable question. We're going to find a guy today that never asked that and another guy who did, and we're going to see which one was successful. But if all I do is say, what do you want me to do, God? That's like paddling on the left side. What do you want me to do, God? What do you want me to do, God? Is that a wrong question? No, but by itself, it, it doesn't get you anywhere. If all you do is say, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Hey, how many of you ever had kids that say, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And you tell them, and then they don't do it, right? <laughs> what do you want me to do? Jared, your time's so coming, man. You know, I, I remember you was a little grom, and, and you're, yeah, you just wait till yours look grows up, man. The apple don't fall far from the tree. Hey, how many of y'all would agree the scariest thing about being a parent is your kids are just like you? You know that, right? And the scariest thing about being a kid Cheyenne, the scariest thing about being a kid is you're going to be just like your parents. You're like, oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, you will. It'll happen one day. But here it is, man. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And by itself, it's not a bad question. But there's got to be another response to that question. When God says what to do, you have to then do it. That's switching sides. You've got to do it. But what happens if all of a sudden all you're ever doing in life is doing and doing and doing? And doing, and doing, and what if you're just doing, and you've never asked God what he wants you to do? What if you asked him 10 years ago what he wanted you to do, and you're still doing the same thing? Maybe part of that might be right, but how many of y'all think God's got fresh and new commands for you? Not different commands in the Bible, but different applications every moment of every day. Roger, you going to work, bro. Is every day new? Absolutely. And I didn't say good, but I said new, right? You know, every day's new. You can't live. The most trouble that many of the Israelite kings got into is when they were young, they asked God, what do you want me to do? And then they did it. What do you want me to do? And they did it. And then as they got older, they quit asking God what he wanted them to do. And they just started doing it. Oh, yeah, this is what we did last time Sennacherib did this. Oh, yeah, this is what we did last time that this happened. And that's when they got in trouble, when they started living off of experience rather than commands from God. And so what has to happen in our lives is this, man. What do you want me to do? And do it. What do you want me to do? And do it. And you should be doing that even in the good times when you're cruising. You may not have to put as much rear end into it and do a squat crunch. You may have a nice little chill stroke. What do you want me to do now? Do it. 
Because if you will do that, you will stay out of trouble. And so it's two-part. And so what's the first one? What do you, help me out? What do you want me to do? It's a very simple question to God. And then when he tells you to, what he wants you to do, what do you do? Dude, this is not brain surgery. And we've got probably 10 more illustrations I could give you for it. But that's because faith is so important. Without faith, we're going to learn next week from the life of Enoch that, Enoch, that or, or as the Hebrew people say, Eno. <laughs> I, I, I heard a guy say that yesterday, Eno. How do you say it, man? Enoch? All right, yes, yeah, yeah. Whenever you pronounce Bible names, I'm just going to tell you, pronounce them just like in our small group Bible study. We had a lot of those in Deuteronomy and all back in Genesis. We just pronounce them like we own them, man. You know? Oh, he's deck, man. We got it, you know? Uh, just say it like you don't, just say it like you mean it and, and, and you're not wrong about it, you know? And then let somebody say, oh, well, I've always heard it was Malachi, the Italian prophet. You're like, oh, no, it's Malachi, the Jewish dude. You know, I'm just saying, say it like you mean it. All right, so anyways, I, that was just a free tangent and I'm lost now. But here's what I want you to do, man. You just got to paddle on both sides. And as we, last week, we got into the beginning of Hebrews 11 and got introduced to faith. How many of y'all remember uh, what we were supposed to do last week? The first step in faith is that we're supposed to do what? Stand. stand on it. Okay, we stand on our faith. And then what happens? We start getting stirred by our faith. And now you've got a choice with that stirring. You can either say yes or no, but what should we do? We should submit to that faith. And once we submit, now that faith has got us moving. And you got a choice again to jump off and get hurt, or you got a choice to keep going and be strengthened by that faith. Because the more you're in that life of faith, the stronger you will be, the more you'll be able to trust it again. And so now we're going to see example after example after example in Hebrews chapter 11 um, of people who have done that. And the first guy starts off with Adam and Eve's kids. Hey, who was Adam and Eve's first kid? Help me out. Cain. Cain was the first kid, okay? And uh, so Cain was the first kid. Hey, let me ask you a question. Did Adam and Eve, uh, how come God didn't start with them? You know, if he's talking about faith, how come, what, uh, why didn't he start with Adam and Eve? Exactly. They heard him. They were face to face. They saw him. They experienced it. didn't take faith when they knew God was right there. And, God, and so he starts with people who didn't really get to see God in the garden. And he starts with faith right there, and it's for you and I in all of that. So a faithful life is simple, and it simply is, look, read this with me one more time. Everybody like say, duh, <laughs> that's it. A faithful life is to find, it, all it takes is you find out what God wants and give it to him. But what if that's not what I want? That's not what I want. And isn't that the world we live in right now? If we will make it about what God wants, we will find ourselves on the side of faithful. And by the way, again, we talked about this a couple weeks ago in faithfulness, but faithful doesn't mean that you just religiously, ritualistically go do things and people can count on you to do them. Faithful means you are full of what? Faith. Yeah, full of faith. How many of y'all know somebody full of faith? I mean, there's somebody full of something else. I'm just saying. And, but the world considers them faithful. Faithful is being full of faith in who? In God, meaning that whatever God tells you to do, no matter how harebrained, how much it doesn't make sense, you are full of faith in him that it is going to work out so you do it his way. That's what we're talking about in faithfulness there. And then it translates itself into a life of consistent righteousness. 
So we simply find out what God wants and we give it to him. All right, Mother's Day. How many of y'all knew it was Mother's Day? Thank you for telling me, dude. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> we already got Linda's Mother's Day present like earlier in the week. Now, my wife, where is my wife? Is she here? Did she go downstairs? Oh, right there. Oh, you're hiding my crib. All right. There. Yeah. So uh, Mother's Day. Now, my wife does not like seafood. She doesn't like fish. She likes shrimp if it's covered in bread and she can't see it. And she'll eat that. But, dude. She was raised in Nebraska where her grandmother gave her cod liver oil and where they had mush fish from the Platte River and carp, you know. Dude, people shouldn't even be subjected to that stuff. But it ruined her for life. She doesn't like, and we're like, oh, yeah, let's give you some mahi or some snook or something good. It doesn't matter. Fish is fish is fish. She cannot stand it. So would it be a good idea to give her a great snook dinner? Me go out and catch a snook before, and, 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 and go through all the trouble and prepare it and Prepare her beautiful, look what I gave you for Mother's Day, honey. Would that be a great gift for her? Yeah. No, because it's not what she wants. You can give people all kinds of things, but if it's not what they want, it's not what they want. So with God, it's so important. You know, that's what we do, I think, so often. We do it as churches. We do it as believers. We do it as families. We find out what, what, what's good for us to give, and we just say, I'm giving this to you, God. I wonder how many times... God's like, yeah, the thought is awesome. That was good. But I wonder how often God says, wow, that's exactly what I wanted. Have you ever gotten a gift that was exactly what you wanted? It's like, oh, how did you know? Because <laughs> I told you. <laughs> that's what God says. He tells us what he wants. And by the way, I brought this up in small group. You know, I don't think I brought it up in here, but in small group, maybe it was Monday night, that the guys, how many of y'all know, Jerry, how long have you been married, man? Four and a half. Four and a half years. Almost four and a half. Have you figured out that they don't really tell you what they want? Hey, where do you want to go eat? I don't care. You know, all right, let's go eat Chinese. Heck no. You know, it's like, uh, we got to figure this stuff out. Hey, what do you want for your birthday? Oh, what's the famous? Nothing. What do you want for Mother's Day? Nothing. Have you ever given them nothing? No, I'm just Mother's Day, actually, nothing for a young mom, nothing is good. You would love to be locked up in a room by yourself to take a nap today, wouldn't you? Yeah, Mother's Day. That nothing's a great present, but all the other times, it's not nothing. They make us have to figure it out. So if a woman ever does tell you what she wants, dude, give it to her because it's a rare occasion. But God tells us all the time. God tells us all the time. He says, hey, this is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I want you to do. And you know what we do often is, no, I want to give you something else. That's not what I want to do. Do you understand to worship God? It's about giving him what he wants. And so you find out what he wants. How do we find out what God wants? We ask him, and then where do we find the answers? In prayer, and it coincides with what, Sharla? The word of God. Exactly. That's where we find out what God wants. If it goes against scripture, Holy Spirit's never going to lead you against scripture. If it goes against that, that is somebody else trying to break up your relationship with God. <laughs> Namely, the enemy, Satan, you know? So if someone came to me and said, oh, give your wife fish for dinner, <laughs> that's not God. Because <laughs> that would cause chaos. <laughs> you know, that would like give one of you lactose intolerant people ice cream. I'm going to take you to Joy's ice cream. Awesome. <laughs> you know, no, it's not. <laughs> you don't need to elaborate on that there, Roger. <laughs> All right, we're good. We've already heard in small group. What goes on in small group stays in small group. And it's not going to go any further. So the idea, the first thing in faith is find out what God wants and give it to him. Is that hard? No, unless life is about us. 
unless we're selfish, unless we're not in love with God, but we're more in love with ourselves than we are God. And so we're going to find a guy that was in love with God and a guy that wasn't. So find out what God wants and give it to him. We could end right there, but we need some scripture to back this up because what I say is irrelevant if God didn't say it. So we got one verse, Terry. Do you see that? Yeah. I always pick it up one verse, but we have a whole other chapter to explain one verse, but we'll be there. I got a clock right back there, man. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4a. There's going to be an A, B, and C. We split one verse up, but to keep it in context, we've got to go do some back study on here. And so look at this. The first part of of, of chapter uh, 11, verse 4 says, It was by what? Faith. That Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. You guys know the story of Cain and Abel? Okay. And bottom line is here in Hebrews, it tells us that Abel, by faith, brought a more acceptable offering to God than what Cain did. Have you ever read that story and said, Well, that ain't right. Cain was a farmer and he brought, he brought some, you know, vittles. He brought some... Some, some vegetables and corn and, man, he made, what, what are those baskets, edible arrangements? What are they, what are they called? Incredible edibles. I don't know, you know, they know baskets. It was, like, it was like Cain, man. He went and got the most extreme basket at that edible arrangement place and brought it to God. And God said, no, that ain't what I want. I mean, doesn't that sound kind of like, dude, man, that ain't right. But if we just look at the surface, that's the way we feel about it. But in Hebrews, it tells us, it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. In other words, Cain brought God, if God was my wife, Cain brought some fish. <laughs> it wasn't what he wanted. And the bottom line is Cain never really asked. We're going to see about this. So real super quick, I want to go through these quick 16 verses. <laughs> Man, one day we're going to have to have a camera to put on Terry's face when I say there. I'll, I'll give you a clue. And uh, it's awesome because he speaks with his, with his expressions. So do some of you. But let's jump in real super quick at Genesis 4. And, and I promise we're going to bust through this part here. But I want you to see the backstory of Cain and Abel in here. Look at this. It says, now Adam had sexual relations with his wife. Now, let's first of all go back a little bit. Genesis chapter 3 was really the curse. That was, you know, when the devil came to Adam and Eve in the garden, right? And, and, and God had told Adam and Eve, man, you can have anything in this garden that you want and just hang out and worship me. And they were innocent, man. And there they were. And he said, you can have anything except what? The tree, fruit of the tree, the tree of light of, of what? Good and evil. Right, because God only wanted them to know about good. As soon as now they could look at Carl, like, dude, before they ate fruit, all thou could do was look at you and see good, bro. Would that not be awesome? But since Eve ate of the tree, now she can see two sides of you, bro. Do you ever see two sides of Carl on occasion? Just on occasion, right? All right, that's the same thing with my wife there. So. But, yeah, we weren't equipped for that. He wanted us just to be able to look at JJ and say, oh, you're awesome, you know, and not be able to see two sides. Not be able to see two things to do with J.J. or two things that he wanted us just to see everything as awesome and enjoy it the way he created it. And he, for our own good, he kept us away from that. But what happened? The serpent, who was who? Satan came in the form of a snake. How many of y'all think snakes are of the devil? You know, just say, dude, the other day I was like moving something in a big black snake. Oh, man. Yeah, it, it, it got my heart going. But. Man, the snake came and, and, and came up and said, what was the first thing the snake said or Satan said? Did, 
Help me out. Did God really say that? Hey, let me ask you a question. Does he ever do that to you? Did God really say he didn't want fish on Mother's Day? No, did God really? And, and Hey, let me ask you a question. When enemy comes at you and says, did God really? Where can you find out if God did really? In the Word. You've got to be in the Word. And you've got to read it in prayer. And you've got to have the Holy Spirit interpreting for you. And that is where you can fight off the enemy who's always coming to us and saying, did God really? And so, so they were like, hmm, that, that fruit looks good. And I think it's going to be good to eat. And it's going to make me wise like God said. And that's why God really doesn't want me to eat. So what did they do? They ate it. Mm, they ate it. And so... What happened after they ate it? They were, uh, they were in the garden, and, and all of a sudden, God, yeah, uh, with a storm, Seth will tell you that story at some point, you know, it wasn't God like, hey, where are you at? But Seth, Seth can show you in the Hebrew where God came in a hurricane, like, and they were hiding from that because it was now God's wrath. What do you do? Why are you high? Where are you? And they're like, we're naked, you know, and they made clothes out of what? Fig leaves. And God said, dude, I like your style. Is that what he said? Yeah. No, he said, those fig leaves. No, you can't cover your own sin. I, you know, that, I, I'll give you like a, ten, uh, you know, a five on the, on the cut and the design. It, it makes your hips look good. And yeah, it covers up your belly. And, you know, it's all good. But he said, no, 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 this is not acceptable at all. And so what did God have to do? He killed a poor, innocent animal. And while the flesh, the skin was warm from the blood, he gave them that to put on, to cover, symbolically to cover themselves. The sin isn't nakedness. The sin is not having faith to believe in God. But right away, God's establishing that it would take blood and the sacrifice of somebody, something innocent, someone innocent, to cover their sins. God takes sin seriously. And then what did he do after he put those new blood bikinis on them? What did he do then? He kicked them out of the garden. He kicked him out and said, man, I'm not going to let you. No, you're out. And he put an angel in front of another tree. That's a pretty good thing that he did. Gary, what tree was that? Life. Woo, the tree to eternal, eternal life. Hey, man, this is what 55 years will do to a body, man. It ain't, man, I can't even imagine what another 55 if I get to live that. Uh, I'm just saying, how many of y'all are glad you're not going to live in this body eternally? <laughs> this body is getting, hey, I don't care what you think. This body is not getting better and better and better and better. I know as teenagers, you're like, oh, yes, it is. But what, you're going to hit a point, man. That's why they call over the hill. No, I'm just saying. You hit different phases in life, man. And Terry, we don't know where you're at yet. I think you're still, is he still climbing the hill? All right, you don't have to lie in church. I'm sorry. I shouldn't ask you that question. Yeah, yeah. You're at the top of the hill. That's it, man. You are, bro. All right, so anyways, uh, <laughs> so they got kicked out of the garden and, the, and God put an angel there to guard the tree of eternal life so they wouldn't eat of that and they wouldn't have to you know, live in this body it, the, it, it, he need, man needed redemption so they're kicked out of the garden and what did God say he said what did he say to the man was going to be the curse what's that yeah dude you're going to have to work your work was always a part even of the garden in paradise work was there Men like to work, but it was easy. Now, he said, it's going to be hard for you to work. And keep that in mind when we talk about Cain later. He said, man, you know, it's going to be hard for you to work. There's going to be thorns, all kinds of things. And this world is going to get worse as part of the curse. It's going to be harder and harder and harder to scratch out a living. How many of y'all agree with that? That's what scripture says. That's why evolution is such a farce. 
It's not getting better, it's getting worse. And the world even sees that now. And then for the woman, what do he say? Okay, so how many of y'all can vouch? Dude, I watch a couple kids pop out, man. Come on. No, I'm joking. I'm not worthy. I told Code, Katie, you're doing September, right? Y'all be praying for them. Isn't that awesome? And uh, little Codette right there, man. And, uh, <laughs> you. And, uh, and, and, and Code, I told Code, I said, dude, you better be in there to watch this baby be born. How many of y'all ever saw a baby be born if you're a guy? Yeah, dude, Gary, uh, we are not worthy, right? We are not worthy. And it, I am so grateful God did not make me a lady after I saw the first baby being her. <laughs> and, and you were awesome. You were that little guava cream cheese pastry, man, you know. And, and they wanted me to cut your umbilical cord, and I told them, I have insurance. I didn't know it was sentimental, but anyways. <laughs> I was like, no, you do it. I don't want to mess this up. And so anyway, so in this... Um, she said to the woman, it's going to be hard. But the biggest part that he said to the woman was this. He said, I'm going to have man do what? Man's going to rule over you, but your desire is going to be to rule over him. <laughs> Why are you smirking, Jared? You've only been married four years, man. You haven't already experienced some of that? Yeah, and so the only way, how about you guys, Jack and Destiny? How long y'all been married now? Six months. So have you, yeah, that's not even a gestation period yet. So, <laughs> have you experienced some of that? Yeah, and so the only way, that's why God puts opposites together, your strengths, weaknesses, so that as you are spirit-filled, you can leave, cleave, and weave your family together, man. But when you are filled with the flesh, dude, it's like this, isn't it? Yeah, you experience that? I don't know you're spirit-filled. Come on, man. Like the rest of us, we never have that. We got Wayne and Jerry. How long y'all been married? Yeah, we'll say what? 26. Yeah, have you ever, y'all ever get that way sometimes in that little RV? and go travel around. But seriously, man, he said, man, you guys are going to be, you guys are going to be against each other. But when we're full of spirit, we're full, the fruit of the spirit is what? Love. And every other part of that fruit is a form of love. Love waiting, love resting, love acting, love giving, and so on. And so when we're full of the spirit, man, it can be a beautiful thing. And that's the way God designed it, so we'd have to have him in the middle of it. And so he kicked them out. There they are. And what did he say to the serpent? You remember that? Seth, what did he say to the serpent? Uh, I will lose your head. Woo, yeah, one of Eve's offspring, her seed, is going. And she, dude, has she even had any kids yet? She probably didn't even know what seed was at that point. She's like, what am I, what? You know, well, one of your offspring is going to do what? Bruise Satan's head, or crush Satan's head and do what? And bruise his heel, saying, it's going to crush the serpent's head. Now, when did Eve think that was going to happen? Right away. Right away, exactly. She wasn't thinking, oh, yeah, about, about 8,000 years, 4,000 years, 2,000. She was, she was thinking, yeah, okay, right away. And especially when she got pregnant and had the first baby in the universe. And what was his name again? Cain. Cain. And there she is, delivered. She's got her foot up in those little cup holders, you know. Yeah. And, and, and she's, she's, she's having contractions, and her husband's next to her looking at the machine saying, oh, honey, here comes a contraction. She goes, oh, no! You know, all of that. Am I the only one experiencing that? No. <laughs> but I know I'm in trouble, all right? On Mother's Day, I should be being nice about this. <laughs> no, seriously, i got to say this, third offense. My, sec my son, Matthew, dude, 
She like wakes up middle of my, I'm not gonna get too personal here, but she's like, oh, I think my water broke. And, and we get to the hospital, I'm like, get in here, you gotta go. No drugs, no nothing. She squeaked once, ah! and she's like, I'm sorry. I'm like, dude, there he is. And it was like, that's a heck of a woman right there, man. <laughs> Seriously. And uh, again, I am not worthy. All right, I am getting back on track with scripture. So, oh, whenever I get off that. Linda, you're feeling bad for me now, aren't you? You're like, you're in so much trouble when you get home. All right. So, anyways, here we are in this situation. He kicked them out. They're out, man. And, and what do they want more than anything? They want to get back in. That's what they want. They want to get back in. And God said that if they have this thing called, you know, from a seed and have this thing called a baby, it's going to happen. So there she is with foot up in the cup holder. Boom, there's a baby. And it hurt like mess. It hurt. How many of y'all would vouch that it hurt? It hurt me to watch. <laughs> and Adam probably was cringing too. And it came, and she's like, surely this pain, this struggle, this agony will be enough to get, this better be worth it to get me in here. And so when she named him Cain, does anybody know what the name Cain means? It means I've acquired from the Lord. It means, oh, I've got this from the Lord. Because, because the whole time, I think she's going, oh, Lord, Lord. And, and, and she got it from the Lord. Lord helped her. How many of y'all would agree, Lord helped you deliver your baby? Yeah. She's agreeing right now because, yep. How old's your baby? Yeah, dude, that's still fresh, man. It's still fresh for you two and a half years. Yeah, Lord helped you deliver that baby, man. There it is. Katie, hope we're not scaring you off, man. <laughs> When you think this summer, when you are great with child like Mary and you're on that donkey this summer, man, you're thinking, oh, this is horrible. Oh, man. just wait till delivery. But after that, it's a piece of cake, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> piece of cake. Especially teenage years. Those are so awesome. And, uh, all right. So here they are, and they're waiting to get back in the garden. They're waiting to be back in the garden, and they're thinking, we have this baby. So here we are now in Genesis 4. Now, Adam had sexual relations with his wife, and in the King James, I think, in, in the new, uh, uh, the uh, ESV and so on, it says new, it's, and, and it's a word that means intimate knowledge. In the, in the Greek, when they made the, the Hebrew in the Greek, it was the word gnosko. It's an intimate relationship, and that's what's required for salvation. For you have that gnosko, that intimate relationship with God to be saved. And the way they translate it even here is talking about sexual relations. An intimacy with God. I'm not talking we have sex with God. That's not what I'm saying. But it's an intimate relationship. And that's what sex was designed to do, was to bond people together. If you reduce it to a physical act, what are you going to do for an encore? It was never designed to simply be a physical act. It was a gift God gave us to take things to the next level. You know, of something spiritual and emotional. So Adam had sexual relations with his wife, Eve, and she became what? Pregnant. pregnant. Yeah, I love when people get pregnant. They're like, and they're like, oh, you know, well, I'm, never mind. I'm not going there. They became, they're like, how'd that happen? I'm like, really? <laughs> All right. When she, uh, when she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I produced a man. Now, did she ever know there was going to be another one? Did she, you know, think about Adam and Eve. Did they even know babies were going to come in the form of babies? Did they know it was going to happen the way conception was going to happen? This is brand new for them. They've never experienced, for all they knew, poof, popped out of the air, full-grown man. There he is. They had no idea. And, and so here it is. She's like, okay, this hurt pretty good. This must be what God's talking about. And, and man, God gave me this. And she probably was fully expecting 
that this young baby was going to be their ticket back into the garden. He was going to be the one that would step on Satan's head and crush his head and bruise his heel doing it. And we know it wasn't, but we know who was. Who was the one that did that? It's Jesus. And that was a long time later. They had no idea how far their sin would take humanity before God sent redemption. But good news, everybody from there on, from that prophecy on, could be saved by believing God would send a Savior. And all of us can be saved by believing that God did send a Savior. So later, look at this, she gave birth, and all of a sudden she probably found out, this ain't the guy. We're not back in the garden. Come on, God. I think I did pretty good here. I think this hurt pretty bad. I think I paid my dues. Let me back in the garden. But look at this. It didn't happen. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him what? Abel. Now, the word Abel, it literally in the Hebrew means, means breath. Talking about a brevity of life. Talking about, it's actually translated later in the Old Testament as vanity, which means worthless. And, and so the name of Abel literally means, why did I go through this? Now, if you know a kid named Abel, you can give him the first <coughs> meaning about, you know, realize your life is a brevity, you know, a, a, a vapor. So be a potent one as you're going through life. But the idea here, what are you laughing about? You're, you're thinking about potent vapors. <laughs> All right. You go where you want with that, bro. But, but in this... Terry just got it. All right. All right. But listen, so here's really the context of it. She had a Cain, and Cain was like going to be their savior. And he's not. And then she goes through this again, the second one. And was the second one, how many of y'all had more than one kid? Was the second one any easier? <laughs> Probably not. And so um, it didn't look easier to me. But um, so she had the second one, and she's like, why? What's, what good is this? Because she thought the only purpose for this kid was to get him back in the garden. So we got Cain and Abel growing up. And when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. So, hey, any of you people all about Cro-Magnum, man, and us living in and being gatherers and, or hunters or whatever inside a cave, scratching junk on a wall. You know, obviously we have something, but we have to reconcile this with people who are fully civilized. This is the first kids being born and they were, one was, a, one was a farmer and one was a shepherd. They knew what they were doing. They're like, oh, ooh, ooh, and then getting women by beating them over the head with a club, you know. Maybe they did that. I don't know. But I'm just saying, look at this. The first two kids, one was a shepherd. Uh, hey, Chris, if, if all of a sudden God said, hey, Chris, I want you to go be a shepherd. <laughs> Quit your job at jail. Go be a shepherd. I'd do it. You, you would do it, yes. But how good would you be right today? I mean, is it just, can anybody just like go grab some sheep and like, all right, let's go. <laughs> no, dude, sheep are messed up critters. They, they need lots of care. That's why God says we're sheep and he's our shepherd because the quality of a sheep's life is totally dependent upon the, 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 how good the shepherd is. So I want you to see this is highly civilized being able to take care of this and farming. Linda's mom's a corn farmer. My son farms peanuts and all of this stuff. Anybody farmers here? Anybody know farmers? Dude, how easy to just throw stuff in the ground and make it all work. How many of y'all do not have a green thumb? Yeah, you could kill a farm in a heartbeat. <laughs> Dude, I want you to know these guys were civilized in this. Later, when it came time for harvest, okay, so he's harvesting the corn, harvesting all the stuff, he presented some of his crop as a gift to the Lord. Tom, don't you think that's reasonable? Man, Dude, I got a crop. I'm getting, I mean, how many people in the world would get a crop and not give any to the Lord? 
Dude, how many pineapples do we have, Linda, growing right now? 23 pineapples, and the ones over on the south side, dude, they're already huge. And I'm like, oh, and, and you know what? If, how many of y'all like pineapples? You love, how many of y'all ever had a fresh grown pineapple that is golden, yes. right, picked right off of the plant? Dude, man, I could justify not giving you any of my pineapples. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's a justifiable thing. You could have a whole crop and not give one of them away. But so it's a righteous thing. You would think that he had a crop and he gave God part of his crop. Doesn't that sound like a generous, reasonable person? If they didn't already have previous instructions. If God hadn't already said, hey, when your crops, uh, you know what? When this particular time comes about, I want you to basically give me a sacrifice. I want you to give me an offering. And here's what I want. On Mother's Day, I do not want fish. I want this. <laughs> I want to be left alone in a room by myself. You're seeing that sounds really good, right? Jared, there you go. If you ain't got anything, dude, it's free. <laughs> All right. And, and so, but God, if God had not already told them what he was going to give them. So when it was time for harvest, Cain presented some of his crop as a gift to the Lord. I mean, dude, I, I, first time you read this, you're like, man, how could God be so ungrateful? Well, God is God and God is in charge. And God gets what he wants. God tells us how we are to worship him. We are not in charge. We're lucky to be alive. You're lucky to have a breath in your lungs right now. You're blessed to be able to do anything because it's God who gave it to you. But yet we think we're so high and mighty that we deserve. I deserve for my central nervous system to be working. I deserve for my heart to keep beating. I deserve to have these involuntary responses going on in my, in my body while I'm sleeping. You ever think about that? Dude, what happens if you had to think about breathing while you were sleeping? Billy, dude, what do you think? You'd be dead. <laughs> do you think about it? Did you go to sleep? I was like, okay, I'm getting it up prime. All right, let's keep I think it's ready. I think I can go the next seven hours. I got it off the momentum from my lungs. Did you guys think about breathing last night? No. That's, I mean, we don't deserve that. But God gave you that last night, along with everything else that he's given you. So, man, when it was time to harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord, thinking he fully did. You know, God's going to be pretty stoked, I think. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the what? From the flock. He brought the best portions of the firstborn lamb from his flock. Now, we know from Hebrews that God said by faith, that's a better sacrifice. So if it was by faith, that means God must have told them what he wanted. And yeah, Cain could have said, that's a little unfair. I got to go buy a lamb for my brother to give you a lamb. But that doesn't matter. If you got to buy a lamb, God's going to give you what you need to buy a lamb and be able to present that. And so, so we know what God asked for, the best portions of the firstborn lamb of his flock. Again, who does that sound like a picture of for later? Jesus Christ. Anywhere you cut the Bible, it bleeds. It speaks of blood being spilt to pay for our sins, and that's where our salvation comes from. And it was pictured from, from, from Genesis all the, way, all the way through Revelation. It's there. And, and we're looking at it on different sides. So Abel brought a gift, the best portion of the firstborn lamb from his flock. And the Lord accepted Abel and his gift. Why did God accept that gift? Because it's what he asked for. That's why he accepted it. And why did he reject Cain's gift? Because it's not what he asked for. 
And again, for God, that's not ungrateful because God, that's what the whole book of Leviticus is about. Once God brings his people out of Egypt, he now in the first week of the second year, he writes a whole book of Leviticus, which it says, I now brought you out. I want to be your God. You're my people. And I want to teach you how to worship me. Because I get to do that as your God and you're my people. When you become God, then you can teach people how to worship you. But you're not God. And I'm glad. <laughs> Just as glad as you are that I'm not. Aren't you glad I'm not God, Roger? <laughs> yeah, buddy. You've seen me drive before. <laughs> There'd be a whole lot less cars on the road because they would have been. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why we're not God. <laughs> All right. So Abel brought a gift, the best portion of the firstborn lamb from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel's gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain what? Yeah, that'd be like you tell your kid, okay, I want you to do this, and they go do something else, and then you're like, hey, I want you to do this, and they get angry because you're not pleased at what they did. And wait a minute, who's the parent? Who's the kid? Wait a minute, who's God? Who's the God and who's the worshiper? And so, uh, what would Cain's proper response when we find out that we have done something against God? What we are walking in the opposite direction of them? What's the R word? Repent, which means to turn and come right back to him. But what did Cain do? God's like, hey, hey, Cain, 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 Cain. I'm not accepting the gift. And Cain's like, yeah, too bad, buddy. You know, and Cain keeps getting farther and farther away from God. He got angry and went the wrong direction when the right direction is to turn and head back towards God. And you're going to see how that works out in his life because I will guarantee you, you go to battle against God. Jack, who's going to win? God. Guaranteed, even on your best day, buddy, when you're fresh a few years ago. The older I get, the better I was, bro. But, you know, but seriously, on your best day, God's going to win. Why fight God? He says, turn, turn. But he did not accept Cain's gift. This made Cain, what? Say the word in the way, say it, say it in your angriest voice. Help me out, Cain. It made Cain what? Angry. Ah, yeah, angry. You ever been that way with God? Be honest. It's okay. That just shows you where you're at. And he looked dejected. I spent my hard-earned money on this edible bouquet. <laughs> I, man, I gave God. I want, I want that pineapple back, God. God's like, too bad. I already barbecued it. <laughs> and nobody ate it. <laughs> and I'm just saying, Cain, like, man, he's like, all oh, this just ticked at God. That is the wrong response because God is always right. And when we disagree, we are always wrong. Exactly. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Man, he looked dejected. So God asked him, why are you angry? This is kind of like the question, you know, who told you you were naked in the garden? Did God not know why they were naked? Did God not know why he was angry? Why does God ask us these questions? Everybody, Ashley, why does God ask us these questions? <laughs> yeah, buddy. Nothing worse than having to answer God when we're wrong, which we are if we disagree with him. Why are you angry? Because, because you should have liked that pineapple, God. And then you dick, dicker it out, duke it out with God. But the end result, we find we're going in the opposite direction of him. What's the R word? What happens? What should we do? And the sign of maturity is how long it takes between conviction and repentance. It takes you this long, you can be this much more mature. 
takes you this long, you can be that much more mature. Man, would it not be great to pray for each of us that the minute we're convicted is the minute we repent and turn back to him. That's what it's supposed to be. Why are you angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? And he probably was like, what do you think? <laughs> Instead of answering the question for himself, like Ashley said, how many of you understand when God gives us those questions, it's for us and not him? He's omniscient. He knows everything. He said, hey, listen, Cain, check this out. You'll be accepted if you do what is right. Yeah, you do what's right. We got no problem. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. And, and, and did he say watch out because I'm going to, I've got, I'm Thor with a lightning bolt. You know, is that what he said? Is that what he's, why he says you got to watch out? Look why he says to watch out. He said sin is what? Crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you got to subdue it and be its master. Check this out. Tom, help me out, man. All right, I'm sin. And here's the door, and I am crouching at the door. Now, if you come in and open the door, I'm going to beat you with this, okay? Absolutely. Forgiveness happens instantly. Restoration in a relationship is, is two people. God didn't go anywhere. You got to catch back up. You got to deal with the consequences. And yes, you can have instant, awesome fellowship with him, but your relationship's not the same. Man. Now, check this out. He says, You will be accepted if you do what's right. But if you refuse to do what's right, watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to do what? Control you. Yeah. If sin is controlling you, who's not controlling you? And if sin is controlling you, you are out of. Yeah, if sin's controlling you, who else is not controlling you? That's a lot of people think they're controlling. Oh, I'm in control. I'm in control. No, when you're in sin, you're out of control. Sin is controlling you. And so he goes on and says, sin's crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must what? And be it. Yes. The devil can't make you as a believer do anything. No temp 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There's no temptation taking you, but such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able. But with the temptation, he'll make a way to escape. He'll make a way, not you. And where do we find his way to escape? Again, hold that up, Charla. In the Bible. With his Holy Spirit interpreting and making it applicable for us. We've got, it's God's rules, not ours. 
So he goes on, one day Cain suggested to his brother, okay, one day. So you know what? I've always kind of thought until I started studying this uh, for, for this week, I always thought that, you know, the next day, dude, Cain is ticked and he's like going to go kill his brother. But it says what? What's the first two words here? One day. Yeah. <laughs> How long? We don't know. This could have been built, been resentment building up for years, could have been building up for a few weeks, but it's one day later. In other words, Cain has had an opportunity to repent, and that's what God's purpose was. If God's warning you, God's calling you to repent, it's so that you can get back on track with him, because the only way your life's going to be successful is if you're back on track. And he's your manufacturer. He made you. Hey, Debbie, this paddle is great for doing what? Paddling. But if I want to hammer nails with it, it's, it'll do a couple of them. So if God, find out what God wants to do with your life and do that. It's going to be successful. That's why we come back. We want to be in the center of his will because that's where we're, what we we're created for. He, so Cain one day said to his brother, hey, hey, let's go out. Gary, let's go out in the field. <laughs> and, Cain, and Abel's like, okay, I'm the younger brother. Any younger brothers here? Just follow your big brother around. You know, what are we going to do? Oh, you'll see. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. And while they were there in the field, Cain attacked his brother. Hey, was this manslaughter or premeditated murder? So think about this. Eve, when she was having Cain, she thought he was going to be the savior. But because of sin, he ended up being the first what? Murder. Wow. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel, and he killed him. Afterwards, the Lord asked Cain, here's one of those questions again. Hey, dude, where's your brother? <laughs> no, I think he was like, where's your brother? Where is Abel? And, and again, God already knew. But why is he asking questions to us again, Ashley? Yeah, and it's not so he can like strike. If we answer the question said, I killed him, I got angry, I had bitterness, and I killed him, please have mercy on me and forgive me. The purpose of the question God asks you is so you can repent and you can turn back to him. That's what God's always looking for. Not like a judge ready to slam and throw you in jail. He wants you to turn back to him. So where's Abel? And what did he do? What did he say? I don't know. <laughs> Dude, he knew where he was. Maybe not the exact location because they didn't have GPS. But he knew he was dead. And, if, and that's what God wanted. to. Uh, so what did he just do to God? He just lied. To the God who knows everything. I don't know, Cain responded. Oh, and here's the, the, the famous phrase. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? Yeah. Oh, dude. Hey, your little Kodak man, one day when he's about four, and you're like, where is that? I don't know. Am I like my brother's keeper? You know? No, Code's going, uh-uh, man. Because you ain't a daddy yet. You're thinking, oh, I brought you in this world. I'll take you out. <laughs> but... <laughs> Dude, what a smart aleck answer. But can you imagine throwing that up to God? Ha, what am I, my brother's keeper? In other words, I'm not even, I'm so angry, I'm not even dealing with you, God. And so, but the Lord said, what have you done? Again, another question. Dude, I want you to understand what you did so you can get it right. What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. I know what's going on. Quit lying to me. Anybody here ever try to lie to God? Anybody here ever try to distort what you've done and try to make it sound better than what it was instead of just getting down, deep, dirty, honest with God and letting him clean it up? Man, yesterday, 
We fixed the dishwasher yesterday, didn't we, honey? I just she, she looked up on YouTube how to do this, and I'm like, all right, I'm game, man. And I'm thinking I got a clogged line. Pull the line out, and, and, and now I learned a lot, okay? First thing, I blow into the line this way, and it's the nastiest stuff in the world. I knew it was probably not healthy to put my lips on that, but I want to get this done because I got yard work to do. And I said, oh, it's stuck. Well, later I found out there's a check valve back there, so I could blow it as hard as I want, and it would have never gone through. It wasn't stuck. So I blow in there, and the stuff comes back at me, and I'm like, oh. My breath still tastes like that right now. Mm. And so, so then we uh, go, like, all right, we're taking this whole thing off. We pull it all off. And Lynn has got a video on YouTube. And, okay, now I unscrew that. And I'm unscrewing that. And so we get the hose out. And I go take the hose off. Oh, surely this will do it. And she's like, no, well, there, there's this screen. And there's this filter. And we get in there. And, and we took the whole thing apart, man. I have never been so intimately involved with a dishwasher. She didn't even let me use it. And, uh, and so, because uh, I don't really want to, but um, so we took this whole thing apart. I don't even know where I'm going, sorry, it's coming back. All right, and, 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 and oh, <laughs> we, we took this whole thing apart and, and we put the whole thing back together again and we uh, turned it on and she comes back out and she was like, uh, she was like, uh, it's still not working. And then she looks at another video and they're like, oh, hey, you just put a new disposal in, right? And I was like, yeah. I said, sometimes on this video they said there's a plug there that, where you connect it and you have to pop that plug out. Yeah. And I pull it off and I'm like, oh, <laughs> nice, simple <coughs> fix in here. And um, dude, I am so sorry. Where am I going with this, Gary? Help me out with a dishwasher. Where am I going? Anybody? Ashley, I know you're thinking where I'm at. It'll come back. All right, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Um, uh, okay, let's keep moving on. <laughs> It'll come back at the end, I promise. We, we fixed the dishwasher. Oh, my goodness. It was something. Oh, it'll come back. All right, sorry about that. Okay, so look what he says. We got to get to the regular verse. It says, now you're cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. So he says, here's the, you're not repenting. He said, so now you're cursed. You've got consequences to all of this. No longer will your ground yield a good crop for you, no matter how hard you work. For now on, you'll be a homeless wanderer on the earth. In other words, for Adam, it was going to be hard after the curse, but now for you, it's going to be impossible. He said, Cain replied to the Lord, My punishment's too great for me to bear. You've banished me from the land and from your presence. You've made me a homeless wanderer, and anyone who finds me will kill me. Hey, anyone who finds him is going to be related to him, right? Uh, there's going to be kids, so it's going to be families going, a, a family member, hey, you killed my cousin Abel, right? You know, and, and, and he's worried about it. Hey, uh, one of the worst things about sin is we judge others by ourselves. If you're a liar, what do you think everybody's doing? Lying. If you're a thief, everybody's. Yeah, you ever see that in the jails, EJ, you guys? Yeah, it, it, that's where we're at. And so he's a killer, so he thinks everybody's going to kill him. And so God says this, all right, in his mercy, even though you don't repent and come back, the Lord of pride, no. For I will give a sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. The Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. And so Cain left the Lord's presence, settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. And he's going to have a kid named Enoch that we're going to study next week. We'll look into it. That's why we took this here. But let me ask you a question. Why didn't God accept Cain's gift? One what he asked for. Exactly. And God is God, and God gets to call the shots. So... That faith-filled life, that faithful life, it starts out very simple. Find out what God wants and give it to him. 
And look at this next part real super quick. A couple verses here. He says, if you want what God, if you want what God wants, then you're right. If you want what you want, you're wrong. Do you get that? If you want what God wants, you're right. If you want what you want, you are wrong. What, what, did, Abel, what, did, what did Abel want? I mean, what, what did Cain want? He wanted to give him a fruit basket. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? He should accept that. That's it's my choice. No. If what you want is not what God wants, you're wrong. Why did Abel give him the offering that Abel gave him? By the, because that's what he asked for. And by faith, think about even Moses. We're going to look at him in a couple of three weeks when the people were getting stung and died and killed in the wilderness with a snake. And, and they cried out and God said, Moses cried out and said, what do I do? He said, make a statue of a snake, put it on a pole. And what did they have to do to be healed? Just look at it, Billy. Wouldn't you want something more tangible than looking at a, a snake on a pole? But if they looked at it and they believed that work, they would be healed. If they didn't, saying that's ridiculous, then they weren't. And so it's always by faith. And so Abel gave what he, all right, if my sins are forgiven by giving you the best portions of the firstborn bloody lamb, if that'll solve my, keep my relationship with you right, then that's what I'm doing. I'll believe that's what you want. And I'm going to do it. And Cain decided to do what he wanted to do. Look what this next part in uh, verse B or part B of this verse says. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. What does righteous mean? Be right. Yeah. It gave evidence that he was a righteous man. He did the right thing by giving God what God asked for. And God showed his approval of his gift. Did God not accept his gift? Yeah, he accepted, he accepted Abel's gift, but didn't accept Cain's. And so, so he showed by faith that he was a righteous man. All right. And so again, if you, it, it doesn't matter how sincere you are, you got to be sincerely right. If you want what God wants, you're right. If you want what you want, you're wrong. And until we agree with that, we're going to be in a messed up relationship with God. So again, faithfulness is super simple. One, ask God what he wants and then do it or give it to him. And then realize if what God wants is not what you want, you still need to give him what he wants. Because if you give him what you want, it's wrong. But look at this next part, right or wrong. However you decide to live, you're going to leave a legacy. Your little baby, man, don't you guys want to set, it up to set him up to succeed? Him, her? Him. him. That's right. Oh, yeah, Gabriel. Yeah. <laughs> set him up. Yeah, that'd be a bad girl name, dude. Don't, you don't want to do that. Keone, do you not invest everything you guys got, have into trying to help him succeed? Man, so why not leave them a successful legacy? Because they're going to follow you. They're, they're looking. They're watching. Right or wrong, you do leave a legacy. Look what the last part of Hebrews chapter 11, verse or 4 says. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. So right or wrong, you do the wrong thing, what kind of legacy are you leaving for those after you? Yeah, that's what they talk about in, in the Old Testament about, about the sins following uh, for the fourth and fifth generation. It's not a generational curse that you can't break. What he's saying is sin has that tough of a cycle that hits, that, that will stay. It's going to take somebody being tough and be, having a strong faith to break a cycle, to get out of that. It doesn't mean you can't. You can't always get out of the cycle with God. But he's just saying that's the effect that sin's going to have on your future generations. You want kids making the same mistakes you made? How about you, JJ? No, I don't either. So you better straighten up. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> 
Although Abel's long dead, he still speaks to us by example of faith. The greatest legacy you can leave is a life that is full of faith in a living God. Whether they accept it or reject it is nothing you can control. You're not responsible for that, but you are responsible for leaving that legacy. And that's what we're going to see out of all of these guys. So the first step is, in, in having, being a faithful person, is to, how, how do we find out? We ask God what he, what he wants, and then we do what? We give it to him. And if what we want is not what God wants, we are wrong. And if we want what God wants, then we're right in all of that. It, it's as simple as that. And right or wrong, we're going to leave a legacy. But the greatest legacy is a life that's full of faith in a living God. That's what we can leave, not just for our children, but everybody else in this world. Let's pray. Father, I know this faith starts by um, surrendering ourselves to you, by realizing that we're sinners, and um, that we have no sacrifice to offer. Any sacrifice we offer to you to pay for our sins, to cover our sins, would be like Cain's sacrifice as good as it might be to us, it's unacceptable to God because there's only one sacrifice that he'd accept. And like Abel's sacrifice, it was a sacrifice of blood, and it was a firstborn lamb, which was a picture of the only sacrifice that you will accept. But Father, I pray that if there's somebody here that's never surrendered themselves to you, that today would be the day they would surrender everything they know about you or themselves to everything they know about you. They would be able to believe that Jesus was the Lamb of God that not only covered the sins of the world, but took away the sins of the world by shedding his blood on a cross. And what he did on the cross was the only worthy sacrifice for anyone in the world. And if by faith we have the ability to believe that and trust it and apply it to our lives, we'll be saved. I pray someone would do that if they need to today. But Father, I pray that as believers, we would appreciate that that has been done for us. And Father, I pray that we would paddle on both sides of our board. I pray, Father, that we would paddle on one side, constantly asking you what you want us to do. But as soon as we find out what you want us to do, we'd switch sides and do it. I pray that you would show each of us where our life may be going in circles. Maybe we're busy doing, 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 but never asking you. I pray, Father, you would, you would heal us from that. I pray, Father, if we're busy asking but too scared to do it and we're going in circles, you would heal us of that. And again, we would paddle on both sides of our board. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.